This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host... Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How Good morning, are you? Wally. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. I want to uh, uh, announce to our listeners, we're thrilled to have with us in studio this morning, uh, affectionately known as Hoagie. Of course, we're talking about uh, Mike Hogan, uh, the uh, unmistakable voice of Mike Hogan. Mike, uh, we're, th- we're uh, thrilled to have you with with us this morning, and welcome. I'm great, uh, great to be back. You weren't here the first time no, I was here. Matt's had to put up with me for an hour, <laughs> now you, you're subjected you're, to me. You, now. You, you, you remember, I predicted Philadelphia to win the Super yes, Bowl. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you, were, you were filling in with me, and uh, the show's uh, probably achieved its zenith that particular <laughs> Sunday. And uh, But, uh, Mike, welcome. We're thrilled Thank to you. have you, of course. Uh, you are uh, a name that's uh, well-known in broadcasting circles in, uh, in southern Ontario. Your voice is unmistakable, and, uh, uh, of course, you've done so much work with the Toronto Argonauts, play-by-play, been so much a part of the Toronto Argonauts' history. And uh, just so our listeners are aware, uh, for those of you who are not watching us on the internet, I uh, usually at this point in the show announce uh, what Naz is wearing, because uh, it's a radio show. Naz is wearing his double blue hat this morning, there Toronto Argonauts. Nice. And, and I think that's out of respect for you, Mike. And of I, course, you're wearing your Toronto Argonauts uh, polo shirt. That's so, it. So certainly the conversation will be, uh, we want to talk some Toronto Argonauts. We want to talk some CFL. And uh, it's always been a topic of discussion that our listeners, we, we always get uh, feedback and requests to talk about Argos and CFL. Showing that you have the smartest listeners <laughs> in all of Toronto radio. Uh, we want to uh, certainly, I, I won't disagree with that conclusion, Mike. <laughs> certainly will not. Um, and, but let's talk a little bit about Mike Hogan. Um, you're, you're, of course, you know, you know. I know, I know, you don't like to toot your own horn, and I'm, I, and I'm sure. Uh, but as a listener, Naz and I are, are, aside from doing this Sunday morning radio gig, we are consummate uh, sports fans. No kidding. And uh, <laughs> we've been, um, we, uh, and we've had, we've talked about CFL on, on the show before. We actually mm-hmm. talked to Michael Copeland one time. We've mm-hmm. talked to Peter Martin a few times, Jeff Johnson. We get an opportunity to talk about CFL football. Um, we, we, we try and fit it in. Uh, although we, uh, to a certain extent, the CFL in the Toronto area isn't what it used to be when we grew yes. up. And I, I think we're just stating the obvious. Sure. Uh, Mike, you've had a distinguished career. Uh, a lot of it, you are associated with the Toronto Argonauts. Mm-hmm. Um, you've had uh, a recent change in, 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 in a little bit of focus in your career. So tell, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about how you 
how you became the voice oh, of the Toronto boy. Argonauts. Lost and, a bet. <laughs> and so uh, I know our listeners are are interested in the Mike Hogan story. Uh, tell us a little bit about how oh, you boy. how you even got to the uh, Toronto Argonauts and uh, your reflections on your career. Uh, if you can distill that in a few minutes, let's hear a sure. little bit about Mike Hogan. Uh, kind of kicked around. I, I, I worked mostly news growing up uh, with a little bit of sports in Kingston and Ottawa uh, in 1992 after I'd worked at CFTR for a little bit uh, in the news and did a little bit of sports in for Peter Gross. Um, but back in the Tom Rivers, Jesse and Gene, uh, Larry Silver, Evelyn Macko, uh, Dick Smythe era. A spectacular experience. Dick Smythe. Yeah. I'm Dick Smythe. Um, We're showing our age, Mike. Yes, go exactly. Ahead. Zoomers. Zoomers. And um, in, in 92, there was an article in the Toronto Star saying that a, new, uh, a radio station, CJCL 1430, was going to do mostly sports from 6 o'clock on at night. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Phone somebody who might know what's going on. He said, call Alan Davis. He's a, the uh, program director. He's doing the hiring. Just drop him a tape. So I did. I sent him a tape. He said, can you get in here tomorrow for an interview? I was in Kingston at the time. He, I said, sure. Uh, he essentially hired me on the spot. And I was then uh, at the CJCL when it became the fan in September of 92. Uh, I spent uh, the next 18 years of my life working for the fan, uh, was released there um, and then uh, TSN Radio started up, and uh, they said, well, why don't you come on over and do this? So I was there for seven years, and you mentioned uh, as of last month, I am now the communications coordinator uh, for the Toronto Argonauts, and very happy to be doing that. Yeah, that fits. I remember one interview you had with the, the fan, and it, just, it was a peculiar interview, the one with Warren Spahn. Oh. I want to bring that up. <laughs> why does everybody remember the Warren Spahn interview? Uh, Warren Spahn was a great pitcher for the Milwaukee and Atlanta Braves back in the day. And the most wins by a left-handed pitcher in baseball history. And I was pumped. Like, my boyhood idol was Hank Aaron. And to be able to talk to a teammate of his, it was during the baseball playoffs. The Braves were in the playoffs. This was in their zenith when they had that great pitching staff. So I'm pumped. And Warren Spahn came on, and I don't know if he was having a seniors moment or a bad moment. And it became one of the most talked about you're talking about it 20 years later so there must have had some impact Uh, i was asking warren spawn uh you know what do you think of today's this pitching rotation they have with the braves not a softball but a fairly obvious question and warren came back with what are you asking me for and i was like "Ooh, this isn't good (laughs) (laughs) and now it's vic router was the co-host and vic asked him another follow-up question trying to just lighten the mood because it was awkward and he goes, what are you picking my brain for? And it was, we had to let Warren Spahn go. And I was like, oh, no. Here's my opportunity to talk to this man who I have you know, didn't see play live, but as a baseball historian, love what he was able to contribute to the game. And it was so awkward. And the interview probably went a minute and a half. And that was it. I was, oh, no. I felt horrible. Just horrible. That, you know, that's now what Warren Spahn to a lot of people in this market is remembered for. Yeah. Instead of being the great pitcher that he was. Uh, we're talking to Mike Hogan. Uh, Mike, uh, interesting, we, we got onto the uh, uh, remembrances uh, Nasbrough up Warren Spahn. I, I'm going to take the opportunity. You know, you've uh, you've you spent a lot of a lot of your life in sports broadcasting mm-hmm. in the Toronto area and on 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 uh, on Sportsnet 
Fan 590, TSN. Uh, you know, we've uh, we've been thrilled to listen to you for years. And uh, it's a question I always like to ask. What's your most memorable interview other than Warren Spahn? <laughs> an interview you thought worked out and was successful? Um, I did an interview with Aaron for the first time. And as mentioned, when I was a kid, I was baseball, 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 baseball. And Hank Aaron was my favorite player. Uh, this would have been late 60s, early 70s. And Aaron was the guy. And when he hit home run 715 and bra- broke Babe Ruth's record, as an 11-year-old kid, I sent him a congratulatory letter. And my dad picked me up at school about three weeks later at noon for lunch, which was a rarity. And he said, what's this? And he hands me a piece of uh, an envelope with an Atlanta Braves stationery, you know, the, uh, at the top, the, the logo. And I opened it up, and it was an autographed picture from Hank Aaron. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. So Aaron was my guy. And the first time I interviewed him, um, you know, I turned into 11-year-old idiot. And the producer at the time came in, a guy named Peter McPhee, and this we pre-taped the interview, and he said, you were really nervous for that. I said, why? How do you know? He said, your voice was so much higher than it normally was. <laughs> so I guess I was kind of up like this. Gee, Mr. Aaron, like I was when I was 11. But that, that, that's probably my most interview. Um, I interviewed Gerald Ford. Oh, uh, we I talked to the former yeah. president about his days at Michigan uh, as an offensive lineman and uh, the the important sports played in his yeah. life. So there were there were some interesting ones, but uh, for me as a personal one, uh, the first time I spoke to Hank Aaron was probably number one. Yeah, that that mm-hmm. sort of reminds Naz and us of when we got Dave Keon on the show. I don't think I slept the night before. <laughs> uh, and um, and what a gentleman Dave Keon is. Yeah, you know, for his reputation in Toronto, you know, which was completely sure. misrepresented for so yeah. long. Absolutely. True gentleman. True gentleman, and uh, he's been a friend of our show for a couple of years. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know exactly when you, when you when you say your voice got got pitched. <laughs> I didn't uh, – we actually had Keon and Cornway on the same show nice. one time, and um, – and uh, they were both my, my two childhood heroes, and I couldn't sleep the night before. How can you hey, be a fan of a Hab if you grew up a Leaf fan? I was a fan of the way they played hockey. Okay. <laughs> we'll I, I love I love this. Anyways, let's talk about let's talk about what you're uh, what you're up to these days. Mm-hmm. Um, you've taken a new position with the Toronto Argonauts. Tell us a little bit about uh, that position and what you hope to accomplish. Well, the the uh, the job entails sort of my two loves, radio and the Argonauts. And Canadian football, so I'm still doing play-by-play for the Argos. The games are run down the dial uh, on ten fi- on uh, uh, TSN 1050, and um, also working now to help get the word out with the media. And you know, at practice, you know, kind of running around with the media members, rustling up players, anybody they need to do an interview with, uh, trying to get um, players on shows such as this one. So you'll be. You know, getting the phone call. Problem is, like right now, they're at going to practice. They're in meetings right now, so the time for you guys is is, is a little difficult. Even though they practice right across, across the street, street now, yeah. um, and just you know, uh, game notes and just preparatory stuff for for media members. And we'll see what happens in the off season as I try to you know make an impact on this organization and maybe in the market. Fantastic. We're we're talking to Mike Hogan. Mike Hogan's going to be with us the entire hour in studio. Uh, we've got to go to break now. Just want to announce it's that time of year again. Uh, our 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 
chief sponsor, Pizzaville, the good people at Pizzaville, Canadian-owned. Uh, Angela, Angelo, Stephanie, Nella wanted me to remind listeners that we are homegrown. Pizzaville is Canadian-owned family business, fantastic pizza, and they always, at this time of year, sponsor the Rogers Cup of Tennis. And uh, our loyal listeners, you may know, we've been giving away Rogers Cup packages for the last few years. They're really, really hot items. Today, we're going to be giving away two uh, packages for the Tuesday evening. It's the men are in town this year. Um, we are giving away packages. It involves two tickets, parking, and a $25 Pizzaville gift coupon. It's a fantastic, uh, fantastic event up at York University. When we come back from the break, we'll be giving out the numbers. First caller in, we'll be getting the first Rogers Cup package for the Tuesday evening. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I travelled to Italy to explore my Italian heritage. I'm in Modena, birthplace of Pavarotti. When I knocked on my cousin's door, he opened it and said, My long-lost cousin, you finally come home. You must now marry my neighbour's sister. I said I had to get something in the car and never went back. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. If you're listening in downtown Toronto, we're also on 96.7 FM. And on the internet, live video streaming at www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to have with us in studio this morning, Mike Hogan. And as I promised just before we went to break, we're giving away those Rogers Cup packages. First caller, 416 Three six zero zero seven four zero one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. Once again, really quickly, four one six three six zero zero seven four zero one eight six six 
740-4740. Two packages, Rogers Cup, coming up a week after next. Uh, uh, Thanks to our good people at Pizzaville. Please call in. Mike Hogan, how are you, sir? Very well. Anyways, let's talk about the Argos. Let's talk about the CFL. We talked about what you're uh, up to with the Argos. Um, Argos had a thrilling end to the season last year. It was a great cup for the ages. In fact, uh, we talked about it with Peter Martin on the show. Uh, We talked about it the week after. We thought it was just retribution for the 1971. (laughs) The 1971 great cup. Uh, Certainly the way the game ended. I almost felt a sense of justice and getting even. Uh, and, and it was, to be perfectly frank with you, Mike, um, I, I thought that that momentum would carry over into the season. It was a thrilling, thrilling great cup. Mm-hmm. It really was. It was a fantastic football game. Um, but uh, that momentum hasn't really carried through so far. So far. Try to, we always try to be positive. Yes. Uh, we like to find the silver lining in there somewhere. But uh, they haven't started off, I think, to be fair, the way they would have thought. No, I, you know, everybody at the beginning of the season when you were when you're doing your prognostications, a uh, few people said Hamilton would be the team. You know, the 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 outlier would be maybe Ottawa would be the team. But the overwhelming majority uh, of people, not only in this market, but you know, when I do a hit across, you know, go on the uh, go on Edmonton or Winnipeg, or whatever, everybody was saying the Argos should win the East, defending Great Cup champions. Ricky Ray's back. They've got depth now with James Franklin, a quarterback, and they've added. You know, they haven't really lost anybody other than Devere Posey, one of the heroes of the Grey Cup a year ago. Um, so everybody was looking and saying, this is a better team on paper than it was a year ago, so they should win the East. And funny thing happened in the first six games this year. They've only won one of them. And I think most people are not only surprised with the record, but the way that they've lost three of the games which have not been close. So it's, there's some tough sledding ahead, but uh, you know, if you're looking for the silver lining, um, if you were to look at the power rankings in the CFL, the top three teams are Edmonton, Calgary, and Winnipeg, and the Argos have played five of their six games against those three teams and have those now in the rearview mirror on the schedule and now get a chance to make up some ground against the East. Mike, so, I have an interesting question, but uh, it's how did we get more people into the seats and if I knew Naz, I'd buy the team. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I wish I knew. I mean, I, I'm like you guys. Uh, I'm a sports, I love every sport. Football is my favorite sport. Always, ha- you know, hasn't always been. I was a baseball fan first when I was a kid. Um, when I started playing football in high school, the change started to happen. When I started understanding the game a little bit more, and now football first and foremost, and by a considerable margin, is my favorite sport. And I think that the entertainment value of going down there to watch a game in a beautiful facility. Um, you know, BMO Field is, is, is much better than I had hoped it would be from a from a viewership standpoint because I'm not a soccer guy. I had never been to the facility before the Argos moved in there. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what a perfect building for a CFL-sized crowd in this mm-hmm. market. And they won a great cup last year. You know, there was the, the, you know, you need a star player. Ricky Ray is a star player. Um, very familiar name. James Wilder Jr. set the world on fire. Guy who won a national championship as a running back with, with Florida State for people who are NCAA favors, uh, is their favorite brand of football. Um, and they won. And you're right. I, I don't know what it's going to take, but it's just, it's trying to make the Argos cool again. Because right now, they're not. For whatever reason, um, it's like the old beer commercial. Those that love it, love it a lot. And I'm one of those guys. And I was just 
trying to find out more guys like me and guys like you who are peripheral fans to try and get them to be more than just peripheral fans and get back into it a little bit more. That's the challenge. We, we've had, uh, Naz and I have uh, have debated this question on the show quite a few times, and um, and and I, you know, it's it's it, as you say, we we all wish we knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think sports fans of our generation, speaking on behalf of Naz and myself, mm-hmm. who grew up uh, watching the Argos in the '60s and '70s, and you know, right through the Doug Flutie era sure. and into the early 2000s, I think I really, I, I wouldn't say I lost interest in the in in the CFL or the Argos. I was actually I was actually a, an Ottawa Rough Rider fan. When I was growing up, mm-hmm. I was a big uh, Russ Jackson, Soupy Russ Campbell. Jackson, yeah. uh, Soupy Campbell, and my favorite, um, my favorite CFL player of all time. Uh, and, and actually, I threw this name out to when Peter Martin was on the show um, with Tucker. Oh, he was number. Didn't he, didn't, didn't he play with Pete at Western? Uh, yeah, I believe so he, he did. Yeah. yeah, I think he did. So, uh, and I got to get back to Pete Martin about that. He, he, I think he promised he was going to get me some Wood Tucker memorabilia. <laughs> uh, Wood Tucker, of course, was a flanker for yeah. the Ottawa Rough Riders, number 26. And I just thought he played, he was just the classiest football yeah. player. Uh, and I wanted to be with Tucker. Mm-hmm. Like when I, when I, you know, we all had dreams when we were little kids and we, we talk about, I mean, we get at, you know, some of these legendary athletes on the show. I get Dave Keon or Cornway or Marcel Dion or yeah. Joe Thyssen. First question I always ask them is, who did you idolize when you were a kid? Mm-hmm. And you know they they almost get taken aback by the question, and they think about it, and then a smile comes to their face. And you know we were all sports fans. I, yeah. I got a feeling, Mike, you and I, and as we all grew up the same way, and uh, we idolized certain people. We all wanted to be. I wanted to be with Tucker. Yeah. And you know, and uh, so the '60s and the '70s, and then the '80s were great. You know, the early '80s. You know, they'd pile them in at CNE, fifty-two thousand yeah. people. And then, you know, the Flutie era was pretty good. They had some tough times when Candy and Gretzky and McNall owned the team. Yeah. And and something happened along the way, and I can't put my finger on it. Uh, you know, us, uh, you, know, you know, you've obviously retained your passion. Mm-hmm. Um, I still, uh, I can't say I'm as passionate about it as I used to be. Sure. I'm looking for a reason to become passionate. Mm-hmm. And somehow it's not hitting me. How, how often do you go to, have you been to a game at BMO? No, I haven't. To I be have. quite frank yeah. with you. Okay, now let me throw this at Nassau. Yeah. Since he, what did you think of the experience? It was quite good. It uh-huh. was against Hamilton, the home opener. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So there were actually, you know, this is going to sound bad, but there were more people in the stadium than there would be for... 24,000. Yeah, 24,000. In that building, 24,000 is a big crowd. It's perfect. And, you know, you get the people down from the hammer who are loud and passionate and hate everything Toronto, and that adds to it as well. Um, if, if, if the Argos can replicate that, which is, what, 10,000 more than they're getting now. If they can replicate that, I think all of a sudden it's like, oh, that looks like fun, and it becomes a trendy thing to do again. Toronto seems to like the big names. Johnny yeah. Menzel, we talked about it, that when uh, Ricky Ray got hurt, that uh, they should go after him. Do you think they should have gone after him? No. Honestly, no. Um, you know, they made a pitch for James Franklin, uh, who has struggled in a couple of the games that he's played so far in replacing Ricky Ray. Um James Franklin was looked upon by virtually everybody around the CFL as being the next quarterback. He's going to be that next guy who goes from being a backup to being maybe a star is too much, but a very good quarterback who could be a star if all of the cards fall in the right place. Um, they've invested a lot in him, and they think that he's going to be the guy. Uh, Johnny Manziel 
would be a distraction. Johnny, you know, and this is not, I hope Johnny Manziel stays in the CFL and is a star for a long time. I think it's good for the league. And whether you love Johnny Manziel or hate Johnny Manziel, you probably have an opinion about him. <laughs> and if you love him, that's great. If you hate him, um, the movie Inglorious Bastards would not have been as good without <laughs> Christoph Waltz, right? You need villains to make, to make a drama a good thing. Manziel could be that guy in the league. And that's fantastic, too. Um, my, my thought is I just hope that Johnny Manziel's life has turned around and he's, he's, go, he's in the right place now with some of the demons he's had in the past. But as far as – I don't know if, if, if Johnny Manziel would be a Trustman kind of guy because of, of what's happened in the past. And Mark Trustman is uh, a guy who is adamant about bringing in good characters as well as good football players. So I don't know if Manziel, because of his past, would be the right fit. Um, CFL overall. Mm-hmm. Um, your assessment of how it's doing, both from a, a spec, uh, you know, obviously we 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 uh, tend to focus in on the Toronto market, mm-hmm. but there's eight other markets in the CFL, and uh, you know, both from both from a local perspective, and how's it doing? Uh, how's the CFL doing TV wise on on uh, ratings wise? Argos. The last number I saw was a game against Edmonton. In Edmonton, I think it was 511,000 people. I think that was the number, and that doesn't include whatever they get at RDS, uh, watching in French. So um, that's, that's I think, overall, it's down a bit. I think for the Argos, the TV numbers have been up so far. Um, attendance is down for the Argos. Paid attendance is up this year. So, you know, some of the freebies that were being distributed, um, sure, that's good. Get them in and try and get them back. Maybe that's worked to a degree, and some of those people have paid for tickets this year. Um, so I, I think that the, the league is in a pretty good place right now. Um, but obviously here in Toronto with the attendance, it's, uh, there's some work to do. And I don't know how to do it, but I know everybody in that organization uh, is committed to turning it around. Now, Toronto FC and the Blue Jays have taken the sure. brunt of the summer, right? Yeah. So that's a hard fight, but I think it could still get done. And uh, you have the perfect stadium. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, the last home game the Argos are playing, there's 40,000 people down the road at the same time because I think Baltimore was in town. So uh, that's something the Argos never had to compete with in the past because they were sharing the facility. The Jays and Argos could never be home at the same time. Now, with the Argos playing at BMO, that, that can be problematic as well. There's only so many sports dollars to go around, and the Argos have to find a way to dip into that. And Ta- I know they're trying. Talking to Mike Hogan, let's, let's talk about some of the other markets. Hamilton, it's, mm-hmm. it's had its challenges. Uh, they've got a new stadium. Fantastic. There's a, and, there, you know, if, if, if you don't like the atmosphere at an Argo game and want to get your CFL love back, go, go to, to Hamilton. Go, go see the Argos in Hamilton. Go to Labor Day and tell me that that's not a fun atmosphere. That's crazy. That's just that's a highlight of the sports calendar every year, especially if you wear Argo stuff in there. <laughs> you will learn some new words <laughs> coming at you from Hamilton fans. Uh, but it's it's a it's a great day. It's a great experience, and I don't for the life of me, I don't know why we can't replicate that in this market nine days a year. I just I I it, it boggles the mind. So, I just don't understand. So MLSE is the owner of the yes. franchise now. Yep. So it has changed from TSN. It's yes. now a group, right? Uh, have they done anything or given you guys carte blanche to grow grow the uh, Argos here? I, I know that uh, that the one advantage, talking from a business perspective, is look at the client list that MLSE has, right? Mm-hmm. Leaf season ticket holders, Raptor season ticket holders, uh, sponsors for both of those teams, and there's already 
um, a relationship between MLSE and those sponsors and those fans. And I don't know how they're going to try to do it. That's the, uh, that's the business operations. I'm closer to the football operations side. I know they've got a plan in place to do that. And hopefully that succeeds to a degree. Anyways, Mike, we'll have to leave it at that. Okay. We may come back to that a little bit uh, later in the show. We're going to go to break. When we come back from the break, uh, between now and the end of the hour, we're going to give away the second Rogers Cup package. Uh, and uh, as soon as we come back from break, we'll be talking to award-winning golf writer Robert Thompson. We'll be talking some golf in the Canadian Open. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I realised there comes a time when one must ask the question, Who am I? Sure, I'm known for my suave, silky voice, my leading man good looks, especially now that the rash on my forehead has cleared up. But who are my ancestors? The people who made me, me. I had my DNA tested, and as it turns out, I'm 73% Italian. No wonder I had chest hair in grade two. It all makes sense now. The first words I spoke were with my hands. That's why I love Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. It's as Italian as the country I'm from. I've decided to visit the old country and explore my Italian roots. You can come too. Now, where'd I put my tight pants? Stay tuned for my Italian trip home. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to welcome back to the uh, Naz and Wally Sports Hour award-winning author, one of Canada's great golf writers. Of course, I'm talking about Robert Thompson. Good morning, Robert. How are you this morning? Uh, Very well, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. Just so you know, uh, in studio as usual with me, my co-host, and uh, also joining us this morning, Mike Hogan. Um, so uh, you may you may get uh, three guys throwing throwing <laughs> questions at you, Robert. But uh, it's Canadian Open Sunday, 
And uh, um, there's a couple of aspects to this I, I want to get your thoughts on. Of course, this may be, looks like it's going to be the last Canadian Open after the British Open. We're going back to the early June date, that uh, the date before the U.S. Open, uh, which uh, we haven't had that for a while, and that seems to be a positive development. Um, so I'll ask you to, to, and this also may be the last Canadian Open at Glen Abbey which uh, some people have mixed feelings about. So let's, uh, let's split it up. Robert, I'm going to ask you your thoughts on uh, how important it is to taking the Canadian Open back to its, uh, to its date before the U.S. Open, which is something from the, from the 70s. Your thoughts on that? Well, you're right. I mean, in, in the time I've covered the Canadian Open, I honestly only ever remember it being in September or this, or this current date after the British Open. And, and I think the RBC, the sponsors, done a pretty good job of of making um, the best out of a difficult date. Uh, certainly the date after the Canadian Open is not ideal, but, you know, with the team here, RBC concept, the, the field has been pretty strong on the top end. I mean, I think it's pretty weak on the back end if you look far down, but that's not why people come to see. They come to they come to see the best players. They don't come to see the guy who's, you know, 140th. Um, but truthfully, I think that uh, this week, is, it's been a very strong field, especially the top of the field has been really good. You know, you had a number of players go home, you know, Sergio Garcia's and the Brooks Kepkins and the like, um, but they, they did, did show up, and it was a strong field at the top. You know, as for what happens when this tournament goes to June, um, I don't think this is some great panacea for, you know, the, this is going to, all of a sudden we're going to see a great, uh, you know, a much vastly improved field over what we have now. I think the field might be marginally better. Um, I think you potentially have some players who won't play after a major. So, you know, Phil Mickelson is nearing the Champions Tour now, but I think you could see a like the Phil Mickelson for the first time in, you know, 15 years in Canada. You, you know, you could see a Jordan Spieth. Um, you know, Brooks Kepka talked about how he likes to play the week before an Open. Um, Dustin Johnson talked about the same thing. So, I think the top end of the field will be good, but I think you're still going to have a little bit of the same struggle. That The depth of the field isn't going to measure up, but then that's pretty much every other week on the on the PGA Tour. I mean, if you're not an event hosted by Jack Nichols or a World Golf Championship or a Major Championship or or such, that's you know this is actually a pretty good field for a PGA Tour event. I think as Canadians, we're we're pretty critical of it, but I think if you looked at it in terms of its quality against the other similar type of tournaments. We're doing okay. Speaking of depth, the Canadian player seems to be predominant now in uh, every tournament. It's really strengthened, hasn't it? Oh, no question. I mean, we've had good years by some guys who were um, sort of unexpected. I mean, you've seen Ben Silverman emerge as a, as a legitimate um, a legitimate PGA Tour pro. And, you know, if you talk to Ben, I mean, famously, he's a guy who was working in a golf town like five years ago. So um, it's a, that's a long way from, you know, a, a Markham golf town to the PGA Tour, but he's made it. And you've got you got Corey Connors, who's, well, I don't think he's he's sewn up his playing privileges for next year. He's had a he's had a solid year and he's had opportunities. You know, we've seen him in final groups or around that final group a couple of times on Sunday and unfortunately he hasn't been able to get it done. You know, Hadwin's a regular David Hearns, you know, had a better second half of the year. Um Mac Hughes seems to have found his way back um at some level. So yeah, I mean there are a number of, of regular players on the tour now who seem to be hanging around. You know, I think I still think a player like Corey Connors I actually think he'll he'll potentially win out there. Like it's going to be a question not of his ball striking, which is exceptional, but his putting isn't quite there. But I think in time we may see a difference. So, 
Robert, from a business perspective, uh, you talk about adding to the depth of the field. Is it more important from a Canadian open perspective to have more Canadians at the bottom of the field, or is it more important to get some of the PGA players who may not be top 20, top 30, uh, top 30 players? Well, this is an interesting discussion, right? Because one of the thoughts that kicked around with the date was should RBC pursue turning the Canadian Open to a, either to a FedEx Cup event or a WGC mm-hmm. event? Either way, you'd eliminate a lot of the Canadian content, but potentially vastly improve the field. Uh, but would that diminish the Canadian Open? And I, I'm a kind of of two minds of it. I mean, I like having the Canadian content. Unfortunately, as you well point out, the Canadian content is often towards the bottom of the field. We invite a bunch of amateur players who play in the national team. We invite some web.com players. Uh, you know, we invite a handful of others, the Mid-Am champ, the, uh, you know, the winner of the PGA of Canada championship. And truthfully, most of these players never make the cut. You know, it's, but every so often we have a player like Jared Dutois a couple of years back who, you know, was, was unknown basically. It was, you know, played on the Canadian national team who was in the final group of the Canadian Open on Sunday. So it does happen and those stories are important. Um, I think for the average golf fan, I'm not sure they care that much about the Canadian content. It's it's actually always disappointing when I go out. Last year, for example, I walked with Garrett Rank, the NHL referee who's got a great golf career playing as the amateur, and there were you know a dozen people. I think all friends of Garrett who were out <laughs> walking with him, and that that's a shame because he's got a he's got a world class game. And but you know, I still think the average sports fan, you know, doesn't want to see some guy they can't pick out of a lineup, they want to see Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka, Matt Kuchar, and, and those guys. And I think Jim Furyk, I think those are the guys they come out to see. Um, and, you know, the difference between the, aver- the golf fan or the golf fanatic and the average sports fan is their ability to distinguish between the two. We're talking to uh, award-winning Canadian golf writer Robert Thompson. And, Robert, uh uh, the other uh, half of the question I was uh, I was at uh, a little bit earlier is the fate of Glen Abbey, and you, and we've talked about it with you on the show before, and I and I follow your Twitter account, and you've uh, you've got some pretty strong opinions on on Glen Abbey as as do I, uh, and without getting into the legal debate of of uh, how many houses are going to be built on that site, of course a lot a lot of the local residents uh, don't want any homes, but let's talk about it from a different Different perspective is that Glen Abbey's um, uh, uh, role as the host of the Canadian Open uh, may be coming to an end as a result of uh, the relationship with Clublink and perhaps the development of the course. Um, we're going to Hamilton next year. Uh, we're probably, I think, we're going back to Hamilton in 2023 or thereabouts. Uh, it's been a while since the Canadian Open has been a truly national open in the way it used to be. We used to we used to have a rotation of courses. We sort of took it around the country, and then Jack Nicholas and the RCGA decided to build Glen Abbey, and that sort of changed. Uh, how important would it be to take the uh, Canadian Open back around the country to places like Royal Montreal and Shaughnessy, and perhaps finding a course in Alberta and perhaps St. George's and Hamilton and and uh, all all the uh, Mississauga and all the courses that they used to have it at? Uh, uh, would that be a, an important part of bringing uh, the Canadian Open to a different level? Well, I, I, I'm of two minds of that. You know, I, I was at Shaughnessy the last time. There and it was a really good golf tournament. The players still speak very, you know, the players that were there still speak about 
um, longingly about the days, you know, and it was at Shaughnessy, even though it was really tough that week and beat a lot of people up. Um, the challenge with it is the tourists change so much and, and the demands on a course site are so different than they were 35 years ago that it's really hard to take the tournament to a lot of places. And truthfully, RBC, the sponsor, has really been reluctant to move it out. The last time I was at Royal Montreal a few years back in the tournament was basically a disaster. Nobody, very few people showed up. We had a terrible Sunday where it rained and the thing was tape delayed and it was, it was a mess. And they seem to be very reluctant to take it back there. I mean, they had a golf course all set up in Montreal, uh, the new course at Laval through the Lac, um, which was built with Mike Weir and an architect named Ian Andrew specifically to hold the Canadian Open. And whether it'll ever get there is a good question. So, you know, but to your point, if we're not at Glen Abbey anymore, and by I spent the morning actually writing a column for Global, Global Golf Post in the States on the chances that this is it, that we're not going to see Glen Abbey again. And Zach Blair, one of the players in the field, when asked about Glen Abbey, called it okay, which is pretty <laughs> damning with fate praise. It's just okay. Um, and, and truthfully, if you look at Glen Abbey, the, the three par fives in the back nine are all short now. You know, yesterday, Kevin Quay hit a, like a sand wedge into the 18th, 398 yard drive and a sand wedge, which isn't really exactly, I think, how you want that, you know, that to end. Um, but the, it is really a challenge to find places to take it. You've mentioned Hamilton, and Hamilton successfully held it. But Hamilton doesn't want it every year. And, you know, St. George's has been kicked around. We haven't had St. George's in eight years. And would it, could it go back there? Yes. But there are a lot of challenges around logistics, around the city, and getting uh, that set up. There's no really appropriate range at St. George's. So do you go down to Islington, where they did last time? Um you know, could Mississauga hold a Canadian Open? Um, and beyond this, where do you go? It's, if you really dig into it, it's very difficult to find a golf course that's actually centrally enough located. Um, you know, the June, the new June date basically takes out Western Canada. So it'll keep, you could go to Vancouver, but you can't go to Calgary because you could have snow in the beginning of June. <laughs> so um, you, you can't go to Montreal because it's still cold and the greens might be dead at that point. So it really limits where you're going to go. And I think the, one of the challenges that Golf Canada and the RC the RCGA, Golf Flash Golf Canada, and uh, RBC have is finding a regular home for this, or at least a place you could hold it, say, two out of every three years, and then rotate it through a handful of other courses that want it every five years. And uh, right at the moment, identifying what that might be or where that is, while still having it centrally located enough to Toronto, is, is a real challenge. Seems like the business model only works in the Toronto area. Uh, where would you hold it? Oh, if I... If I were if I, I were master of the universe and uh, like my wife says I am and uh, uh, I, I don't know it, it, it's a difficult one I think you know truthfully I think that uh, the the best option would be find a place like Goodwood which is the uh, Stollery's golf course uh, north of Toronto um, which doesn't have a clubhouse built but which is an, an excellent golf course which is within you know thirty five or forty minutes of downtown Toronto. Um, and could be built to hold the Canadian Open. It's a big golf course with lots of property and places for people to park and all those things, and that you could have it there for every couple of years. And then if I had my way, you'd rotate it through a series of golf courses like St. George's, like Mississauga, like Hamilton, every three or four years. And, and you'd go back to basically having you know a, a nice hub for building it out for, for players to become, uh, you know, for players to understand what that golf course is about and so on, and then really, you know, have these other golf courses that players would hopefully show up because they're 
great classics, and you know most of the players like playing those kind of golf courses. Final question: You need a uh, you need a traffic cop atop the leaderboard right now to try and figure <laughs> out who's where. Uh, who survives today? It's hard to argue against Dustin Johnson, but I, I've said that before. Uh, you know, a number of years ago, I was at, actually not that long ago. I was at St. George, or I was at uh, Glen Abbey when he was uh, being chasing Brant Snedeker down, who would eventually win the tournament, and. I thought, well, there's no way Dustin Johnson isn't going to win this. He's going into the short 16th, um, you know, and and has a great shot at Eagle. You know, he's he's going to rip up 18. This is this is a done deal. And he he did make the the Eagle on on 16 to uh, run into a tie. And I thought, well, this is it. You know, Brant Snedeker isn't a big hitter, and he's going to he's going to fold here, or or DJ will just put his foot to the floor and he'll Eagle 18th. Instead, DJ hit a ball into the maintenance building on 17, <laughs> for which he never recovered. So, uh, I mean, I think Dustin Johnson's a different player when, than when that happened. That's before the U.S. Open, um, you know, before he sort of cemented himself as one of the best players in the world. Um, but I never count Dustin Johnson out for doing something just stupid and throwing throwing up the golf tournament, too. So, um, it, it's an interesting one. I think somebody's going to have to shoot a low score today. I think somebody's going to have to go five or six under to win this among that top group because the golf course is still soft. Um, you know, there's potential for a little bit more rain today. And if it's soft, they fire at flags and the long hitters, you know, as I say, Kevin Tway hitting at almost 400 yards off the, off the 18th tee. And yesterday or last year when uh, Jonathan Vegas was playing that hole, it was regularly 365, 375, 385. And they're going into the 18th green with a pitching wedge or less. And so the big hitters have advantages, and the course is soft, and they can really attack it. We've been talking to Robert Thompson. Uh, Robert, uh, we want to thank you so much for joining us on a Sunday morning. I know you've uh, interrupted your plans for the day to spend 10, 12 minutes with us, and I just uh, on behalf of Naz and Mike Hogan, we'd like to sincerely thank you for taking the time for us. Thank you so much. Anytime, guys. Have a great day. Thank Have you. a great day. Thanks so much. Uh, uh, talking about DJ. Yeah. It'd be pretty huge for him to win the Canadian Open today. I think Dad would, uh, father-in-law would, uh, would really <laughs> like that. He's, he's won a couple of things here in this country. That Gretzky fellow, yeah. <laughs> his father-in-law, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, he, he, he brings. Uh, I think most of the TV coverage is probably going to be on him yeah. today. So uh, uh, you know, he certainly brings a certain level of star power if he's in the hunt today. Anyways, we of course have Mike Hogan in studio with us today, and I wanted to. Uh, Friendly reminder, Ness, thanks for reminding me. We have one Rogers Cup tennis package still to give away. Uh, That is, of course, for the Tuesday night. The men are in town uh, this particular year in Toronto at the York University Tennis Centre. And one more package, please call in. The numbers are 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740. It's a great package. Two tickets to the Rogers Cup on the Tuesday evening sessions, uh, a parking pass, and a $25 gift coupon for Pizzaville. So much, so much thanks to our good people at Pizzaville, who have been proud sponsors of our show and big supporters of our show for years, and we thank them so much for that. Um, just wanted to go back. Uh, we left uh, left uh, discussion on the CFL and just. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get a sense. We've talked to death, and we, we we got we know how well we. I think we left it off talking about the great experience it is to go watch mm-hmm. a game in Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton, uh, Ottawa had some tough years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are now called the Red Blacks. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't get the name Rough Riders out of my head. Hopefully, at some point in time, they can buy that trademark back. I, uh, the first year they were in the league, I I had basically a fine jar for every time I called them the Rough Riders <laughs> on the air uh, because the, the colors are the same. And I covered the Riders for for three yeah. seasons up in Ottawa, yeah. so it was uh, I don't know how Must many have been times tough I, for you. I, tough. Uh, I don't know how many times. But I got to say, people people yeah. always complain about Naz and I that we live too much in the past. So <laughs> we'll, we'll call them the Red Blacks. Sure. That's fine. That's uh, we're trying to appeal to the next generation of, of CFL fans, and and uh, so give us an update on how how the how the Red Blacks have been doing uh, since they've. Uh, I mean, they won the Great Cup a couple of years ago, if I if I'm correct. But how's the how's the business model there? How are they doing? It might be the most fun experience in the Canadian Football League right now. Um, they've not only been able to uh, tap into the forty pluses, they've been able to tap into the twenty somethings and younger. Um, when Jeff Hunt was part of the ownership, group. how are they? You know that I was. I, I really apologize yeah. for interrupting, no, no, Mike. No, no problem. Uh, but that's a question I wanted to ask you, and and it says, and 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 I didn't realize that that was happening in Ottawa. That mm-hmm. we're, we're there actually is parts of the CFL where they are tapping into a yes. younger market. How are they able to do it in Ottawa, and we can't seem to do it in Toronto? I don't Toronto? know. Jeff Hunt is one of the ownership group that took over. I think he's subsequently left, but um, he is the guy that turned around the Ottawa 67s, where when I was doing play-by-play up there, a good night was 1,700 on a Friday night, and this was before the Senators got into town. With the Senators there, they were dra- drawing over 3,000 people. So he's been able to ta- tap into it, and one of the things that he said, if we just get the 40-something guy and 50-something guy into the stadium, we're dead. We have to appeal to families. We have to appeal to, for lack of a better term, soccer moms. We have to be able to get everybody to come to the stadium and have a good time. And what they've been able to do with the kids is the area around Lansdowne Park now, TD Play Stadium, is filled with bars and restaurants and has become a thing where now people will go to the game, meet their buddies an hour before the game for a pre-drink, go to the game, and then be able to go around the area yeah. afterwards. You have it here perfectly. Yes! Got it. Liberty Village yes! is right here. We're right Thank in the middle you. of it. <laughs> because that's what I like. I, I can't go for a beer, sadly, before the game because yeah. I'm kind of busy. <laughs> but after the game, that's that's the ritual. We'll come up yeah. here and, and go for beer with, with some of the fans, some of the players, some of the some of the folks who work with the team. And um, it's a, it's an opportunity to celebrate or commiserate. Do and f- it's, it's, it's a fantastic experience. Uh, do you find around the league or in Toronto... In terms of uh, attracting fans or or getting people out, that it makes a difference when you play. Does it make a difference whether it's a Friday night or a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon? I'm sure uh, it does. But those who want to go will go, right? They play a Leaf game on every night of the week. Raptors, Blue Jays. If it's a Tuesday night Blue Jay game and you want to go and see the Blue Jays, you're going to go. How many people have said, oh, it's a Leaf game, but it's a Thursday night. Here, do you want my tickets? Doesn't happen. And obviously the Argos aren't in the market the same place as the Leafs are. Um, But if you want to go and see the game, it's nine games. You circle the game and you say, okay, I'm going to plan my week around this, which is fairly simple to do. And if you can get to the goal line east-west, I take the go train in from Whitby. Easiest thing in the world. It's it's it's, it's two hundred right steps. Yep. Yep. So I don't know. Uh, it it seems like if people want to go, they'll go. If people want to find an excuse, they'll find an excuse. And now it's the Argonauts' job uh, to try and find a way to make those excuses um, more difficult to come up with. 
the uh, the crowds that you, you're getting, you're getting what fifteen thousand right now? Uh, yeah, the last one was under that, but how yeah, much? I'd, I'd say fifteen. How much do the Blue Jays have an effect on the Argos? I guess they, I think that's the big. Yeah, if if they're playing same day, uh, it's a big effect because you've got forty thousand people with disp- disposable income who are going down to the Blue Jays because right now they have the Blue Jays above the Argos on the depth chart. Financially, if they're going to spend their twenty bucks for a ticket and they're 50 bucks for beers and hot dogs or whatever and parking, that's where they're going to put their money. And now again, it's the Argos, it's, it's, and now that I work there, it's our responsibility and, and job to try and not necessarily steal those people, but to get more people in the market to say, this is a viable alternative. I went to the Argo game, it was a great on-field product, and damn it, I had a really good time in the stands. And I don't know how to, to, to get to the point where you're getting 20000 a night. But I know that the goal of the organization, and they have said this from day one, is it's going to be a slow build. If we have 10000 paid this year, we're going to say it's 10000 And next year, if it's $12,000, we are going to say it's 12000 And if the year after that, it's fifteen, and that's the way they've got to build it, because you're not going to go from ten to twenty overnight. We had Neil Lumsden on, and he went through a similar situation back when he yes. was in Hamilton. He was, and it worked. He was a sales guy, yeah. and he said uh, the worst thing they did was give tickets away. Yeah, because they uh, couldn't sell the regular tickets. And people are saying, "Well, I got freebies last year." Yeah, exactly. Or the or the season ticket holder goes, "Well, if I hang around, I'll be able to find a couple of freebies somewhere." And um, you know, it's it's you know, they lowered the price point this year, which I thought was imperative. Um, there were a lot of happy season ticket holders when they said, hey, you're going to get this much money back either on your account or we'll make it work. Um, and and it was overpriced. I hate saying that because I wanted to see more people in there, but it was in the past. You know what? Let's uh, give you an opportunity uh, to educate me and our listeners. To give us a little idea what the, what, what the price points are to go watch an Argo game. I, th- I think our tickets, and we're, we're behind the bench. My wife goes, you know, and familiar with her here at the station, um, loves it. And I, I think it's, boy, I didn't see the cost on the ticket. This I think it's 70 bucks a game right behind the bench. Uh, if you want to go sit uh, closer to the goal line, you can get into the building for under 20 bucks. So, you know, it's not like it's a cost prohibitive thing. It's not like you have to go out and spend, uh, you know, 150 bucks to sit in the upper deck like you do at a, at a Leaf game or a Raptor game. When you walk, uh, when you walk through BMO during a game and you look, at, uh, you look at your fan base, the people who are coming out to the game, what, what are you seeing? What, see what, lot, what, see. what are you seeing in, in terms of demographics, uh, passion? Uh, what's your sense of who's coming to watch Argo games right now? The diehards? And, uh, yeah. A lot of Zoomers are, are, are showing up to the game. Um, there's no question about that. The people who go, and this this has astonished me because there, at times there haven't been the biggest crowds in the world there. It astonishes me on the west side how loud it gets. Um, we're up up top. We're underneath the, uh, there, there's a roof now, obviously, that, that kind of holds the sound in. It gets loud in there when the Argos are giving the, the fans a reason to cheer. Spectacular, and that East final last year was wow. really loud. exciting game. It was exciting oh, game. fantastic game! And I don't know why people who went to that game haven't said, "Boy, I had a really good time at that game. I'm going to go back this year," because they did have a good. I don't think, unless you're a Saskatchewan fan who thought they had it won in the last minute, mm-hmm. um, I don't uh, know how you could have gone to that game and not had a good time. We've only got 30 seconds yeah. left, Mike, and and, and and just from a fan's perspective, and maybe not the diehard. Um, it's a shame that they didn't uh, get off to a really faster start. Yeah. I think that would have made a difference. Couldn't hurt. 
It um, wouldn't have hurt. And the Ricky Ray thing, obviously, you know, yeah. football injuries are injuries are injuries. But when it's your star player in a limited market of stars, yeah, it, I, makes, I it makes it a little bit more difficult. And maybe the most underrated athlete the city has seen in a long time. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly agree with you there. Mike, uh, we're getting the signal from the producer. Our time has come to an end for today. I'll, I'm just going to say thanks so much for joining us. Oh, I us. loved I really had a blast today. We want to Honestly. have you back. Anytime. Uh, certainly, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fulfill my commitment. I'm making a commitment by the end of the year. I'm gonna be at an Argos game at BMO, maybe more than one, and hopefully Beautiful. a couple, and a couple, and hopefully a playoff game. How about as you, well. Naz? I'll Morning. be there. Okay, there. That's what I want. Hopefully, we'll be there for a playoff game yes. as well. Bingo. Thanks so much, Mike. Anytime. To all our loyal listeners, on behalf of myself and Naz Marchese, have a fantastic week. Be safe. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.